Hello and welcome to the first ever Getting Better Acquainted Replayed. Today's episode is a reposted episode, episode 18 of Getting Better Acquainted, which went out years and years and years ago in 2011. Earlier this year, I discovered that the first 76 or so episodes of Getting Better Acquainted, because of the way that SoundCloud organises its site, don't exist anymore as part of the RSS feed. This means that you can still hear all of Getting Better Acquainted over on the SoundCloud page, but you can't hear it all from the beginning on iTunes and Stitcher and other podcasting distribution apps. Whilst this is frustrating and disappointing, I'm also treating it as an opportunity because whilst I used to have lots and lots of conversations in the conversation bank, these days that's not the case. And because of that, I can sometimes get quite desperate in terms of, oh no, have I got a conversation to edit for this week's show? But now... When I am stuck for something to share, I can share one of the early episodes and you can hear what Getting Better Acquainted was like back then and what I was like back then. Over this weekend, I've listened to quite a lot of the old episodes and, oh, it's very difficult for me to listen to them. I had started out on this journey and I didn't know many things. I didn't know how to edit as well as I do now and so it's painful to hear all of the bad edits although I'm sure there are bad edits in every episode of Getting Better Acquainted because part of the way that I edit this show is you know on a deadline and so I can't be as perfect as I might like. Back in the day I was certainly a worse editor. I was also worse at having conversations. I was a different person. I was basically a different person. I hardly listened to any episode over this weekend where I didn't disagree very strongly with something that I said, not just in terms of the content of my ideas and discussions, but also in my word choices. In these Getting Better Acquainted replayed, you'll get to hear some of those mistakes, and I hope that you will judge me kindly because I have changed and I am changing. I mean, I'm sure that when I listen back to the episodes I put out in 2017 in five or six years time, I will be like shaking my head all the time. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. That said, I decided that I would start this strand of the show with an episode that I was really proud of. And so I'm starting with this episode from Sam I haven't seen Sam in a long time, although she has been on the show twice. So I'll link in the show notes to the second time, the follow-up episode, where I caught up with Sam to see how she was doing. So you can listen to that after this episode if you want even more Sam. I believe that Sam's situation is different even from the second conversation that I had with her. So don't assume that Sam is in the same place now that she was in either of those conversations. The person who was her partner in this episode is not her partner anymore. And she has two children now. Which brings me on to one thing I definitely want to add before this episode starts properly, which I didn't do back in the early days of the podcast. I hadn't really come across this idea. I hadn't really thought through my responsibilities as a artist, as a documentary maker, as as thoroughly as I have now. In those days, I didn't put content notes on my episodes. These days I do. And so this one comes with a content note. This conversation will touch on having a premature baby and childbirth in general. It will touch on abusive relationships and relationships between teenagers and adults. And it will touch on domestic violence. So a lot of content to be noted for this one. But this was probably the first conversation on getting better acquainted where I felt blessed I guess is the only word I can use for it even though I'm not a religious person blessed to have had the conversation because I don't know it felt special it it touched me and it felt like something more than me something more important than the show and it kind of felt like the show was making itself around about this point that conversations were seeking me out that people had things that they wanted to say and that the podcast was a vehicle to amplify those voices as much as it was a a vehicle for me to learn about myself and about other people and to kind of go on my own journey. So I hope you enjoy listening back to it as much as I did. This was a moment in time, the me back then speaking to the Sam back then, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. 
if there was a goal in my life that I wanted to to achieve, it would be to have a happy family. It's not I'm not you know a career woman or you know I don't have any extravagant goals in life other than to be a mum. That's always what I've wanted. So I knew that I would I'd be a young mum. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Sam. Hello, Sam. Hi. (laughs) How did you meet me? It was about, I think, maybe six years ago now. And I was... 17 I just dropped out of school and I had my first job at the library and I met you there. That's right you were what they call a casual. Yeah. Uh, And yeah I was working as a library assistant at the time. Mm -hmm. What do you do now? I'm in recruitment at the moment which is pretty boring but I'm on maternity leave. Uh, I had my little girl in October and I don't think I'll be going back there. But it was it's quite interesting sort of area not not recruitment but the company I work for that you work with people with autism so in that respect it's quite it's quite nice to work for a company that sort of have a vision and everyone cares about what they're doing yeah it's different no absolutely absolutely I mean so many places that you end up working they don't do anything kind of nice yeah yeah. I guess you're the youngest person probably that I've had on the the show so far but that said your life in some ways I think has been a lot more eventful than than some of the people that I've interviewed or talked to and I was I mean I was really uh pleased and surprised really that you said yes I was really yeah happy about that um it's not something that I would usually do but I mean because I'm so because I've recently moved here and um a bit secluded. I thought it'd be nice to do something that I'd usually uh, say no to so many things. I thought, oh, this time I'll say yes. So. Well, that's that's brilliant, yeah. and I, I think I hope anyway that your your life is certainly very interesting. I think, um, and <laughs> I'm sure it is. I mean, obviously it's interesting to you, but I think it's valuable to hear stories of other people's lives. So, I guess, right. <laughs> So you're on maternity leave at the moment. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense to start start with with your, your with with that really. Mm-hmm. So how how old old were you when when you when you were became pregnant? Um. So. Oh my God. To give them 20, an idea. I was twenty. Twenty. Yeah. She found out when I was on holiday in Egypt, and uh, yeah, I was eight weeks pregnant when I got back from Egypt. So. It was sort of a, like a big surprise because I, I've always thought I was going to have sort of trouble because of like some medical problems. I've always thought I'd have problems having children, but it happened within a month and uh, here she is today. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously I didn't know I was pregnant and I was in Egypt and I, I went deep sea diving and climbed a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got back, I was eight weeks pregnant. That pregnancy, how did you find it? I mean, when <laughs> you sort of, when you're young, I don't know, I always pictured myself enjoying pregnancy and when people talk about it, it's the most amazing thing. But actually, for me, anyway, it was it was horrible. I hated it. And I, I hated seeing, like, my body change and, you know, I'd always been thin before. And so uh, it, it, was, it was hard. I had quite bad morning sickness, so right up until she was born actually and then I had sciatica and I was signed off work for that so overall it was a bit of a nightmare pregnancy really and then obviously as you know uh, when I was 28 weeks pregnant well you don't know the whole story but I was actually I was here we just moved we just moved in uh, we'd been here for about a week and I was unpacking and uh, I was getting really bad back pains but I, I thought it was the sciatica so I ignored it and it, it went all through the night I kept ignoring it, and then I didn't. I sort of said to my partner, "I think I'm in labour," but to me that sounded stupid because I was only 28 weeks. So uh, he said, "Oh, it's probably just your back," and he went to work. And then I noticed I was bleeding, and I just I've never panicked so much. I thought, you know, maybe I was losing the baby. So I called my mum at five o'clock in the morning, I think it was, and she picked up, and uh, I told her what was happening, and she stayed on the phone with me, and she called the ambulance for me. 
and uh, they came and picked me up. We went to Watford General Hospital. It was actually I was actually supposed to give birth in Enfield and Chase Farm. Um, I was supposed to go back from Hemel to to, um, to Enfield to spend like the last two three months of my pregnancy with my mum and give birth up there. And then obviously I'd have help with the baby when I yeah. came home, but it didn't turn out that way. So it was about. It was three days before my birthday I was in hospital and um, so I stayed in hospital for them three days. The doctors were trying to um, to stop labour and it was, I was on medication but I was already four centimetres when I got to the hospital so they were sort of saying it's it's too late to stop it, it's going to happen and I think the most, like the hardest conversation I've ever had with someone is, you know, to be sort of thrown into that situation and then there's there's thousand doctors and and they're telling you that your your baby could be disabled and it could, it's like the hardest thing I think I've ever gone through. Just you don't really think about it when you're pregnant. It's not something you uh sorry. No, that's <laughs> f- don't don't worry. It's fine. It's hard stuff to talk about. So you had that conversation mm-hmm. and you knew that you were going to have have Jasmine um, well you didn't know she was called Jasmine then no. uh, and it was a very hard time I am, I believe yeah it's just it's not something you you prepare yourself for when you're pregnant um, and it, all these things go through your mind is, you know am I like can I care for a disabled child and I didn't I didn't know it, yeah. it was the hardest thing to do well, I think nobody does know yeah. about any of these things until they happen. Mm. And I think it, I mean, this is one of the reasons I think it's important to, to talk to people. And uh, like like yourself, you've had experiences that aren't the ones that get sold to mm. people when, when they, because my job now, I, I meet lots of new mums. Mm. Some of them, they have had these lovely, wonderful yeah. pregnancies and all that stuff, but that, but not 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 all of them and I wouldn't say even the majority of them mm. I would say most people it's somewhere in the middle yeah. there's a lot of people it's very horrible for and a mm. lot of people it's very nice for same with pregnancy as with birth yeah. and it's, she's alright <laughs> right. yeah. I mean it she's not okay that's alright I'll pause it don't worry <laughs> It's probably a, a, fit, a fitting thing for the interview, in a way, to have uh, a baby occasionally yeah. interrupting it. We're talking in your flat in Hemel, and mm-hmm. the baby that we're talking about is in the next room. So, she wasn't disabled, though? No. I mean, I think all the doctors were really surprised that she she came out and she was crying. And, you know, they were saying, oh, we're going to... The way they said it as well, they said... Uh, when she's born, you know, someone will probably come and take her away and put her in a plastic bag, is what they said to me. That's what they said to you? Yeah, and not, not to say that she was going to be dead, but that they had to Prepare. keep her body heat. Oh, right. But the way that they said it, sort of, it was really harsh. Um, but, yeah, when she came out, she was crying, and they put her on me for a few seconds, and then they took her away. But um, they wouldn't let they, she wouldn't let them put um, a ventilation down her throat. So, I mean... She, I think she surprised them all from the beginning with with her weight, with with everything, breathing on her own from birth. So, uh, yeah, she was far from disabled. And she came out ready and raring yeah, to go, it sounds pretty like. Much. But you were only able to hold hold her briefly. Yeah, I, di- I didn't even touch her, they wouldn't let me touch her. They just sort of laid her on, on a tissue on, on me and then, yeah, she was gone and uh, I think it was maybe about three hours before I saw her in the special care unit. She was in intensive care and she had thousands of pipes and needles and a big oxygen mask on her face. And wow. So it's not... Obviously, I think every mum would cry if they saw their baby in that situation. So it was, I think so. This is another another hard thing that, to see. Pretty much most dads as well, I reckon. Yeah. Pretty much... Well, I think I'd find Everyone it quite hard not to, yeah. Yeah, not to cry, even if it was not even related yeah. to the baby. So how long was she in uh, intensive care for? Um, she was in intensive care for two weeks and then moved her to just a normal um, neonatal unit. 
um, and she was in hospital for a total of eight weeks. She was very close to was quite close to Christmas, and we were sort of the whole time we were preparing ourselves for her not to be home for Christmas. But okay. she came out on the fifth of December, so oh, nice Christmas. Yeah, present. it was lovely. And uh, I actually forgot to mention she was actually born on my birthday. Oh right. Yeah. So you've got the same birthday. Yeah. Has that changed the way you feel about your birthday? Do you think? It has, yeah, because I know my birthday will never really be about me anymore. But <laughs> it's okay; it's a small price to pay for a beautiful little girl. So that's right. Yeah. Uh, um. So I mean, at least at least your kind of experience of pregnancy and of birth not being very nice. Mm. At least there was a nice yeah. end, end result. How are you finding being a young mum? You're actually quite an old young mum. Yeah. You, so <laughs> I, you're, think, you're, you're, I think you're the problem right is that. that I look younger than I am, so... Yeah, you're quite short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, being a young mum, I've, I always wanted to start my family young, so... I mean, I've always been sort of really focused on on having a family that if there was a goal in my life that I wanted to to achieve it would be to have a happy family it's not I'm not you know a career woman or you know I don't have any extravagant goals in life other than to be a mum that's always what I've wanted so I knew that I would I'd be a young mum I wouldn't say it's any dif- any more difficult than being an older mum no I, I think there's diff- I think that there's a lot of value in yeah. being young uh, and being a mum uh, young it means that you are very able to run around yeah. with your little ones and you're, you've got a lot of energy hopefully definitely it means that when they're older you know you'll be still quite young yeah so I think that's definitely a benefit do you feel sometimes quite judged actually though sort of when you go out or when you go to, like, I take her to, to weighing clinics and, and most of the mums are sort of maybe 30s mid 30s and mm. you sort of get these looks as it's because I apparently I look 16 so you know people sort of look at me as as a teen mum and uh it's not very nice, actually. Some it's just just looks. No one's ever said anything to me, but you know, some people sort of look at you as if to say, "Oh, teen mum, probably on benefits," and you can you can tell. No, those looks are they hurt. It's just sometimes you feel like saying, "Oh, <laughs> you just feel like saying something like, oh, you know, I am a working mum. I'm on maternity leave, actually." So. I mean, it's a very strange thing as well to 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 go around judging other people just yeah. based on something like that. There's lots and lots of very good uh, teen mums, yeah. and there's lots of good young mums. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I know some some very good mums who are teen mums. Me uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jasmine's here now, though. Mm-hmm. She is. And is being a mum as you imagined it? Mm, no. I don't know really what I imagined, but I don't think anyone can prepare you for how difficult it is. Obviously, no one prepared me for the premature birth and everything. Um, yeah. That was that was really hard. And then I think I don't know. She was probably as difficult as any other newborn. But I think with with, with being premature, there was there was other problems. Like she was still on medication, and obviously because I've just moved to a new area, I was sort of doing things on my own I mean my mum she helped me for the first week and then she had to go back to work and um, obviously my partner he had just started a new job so he he wasn't entitled to paternity leave um so I was sort of doing everything on my own uh so in that in that case it was it was difficult um and probably not what I imagined I think you sort of imagine a, a perfect um motherhood and um, I don't think you imagine quite how tired you you get when when they first come home. Um, but yeah, she's she's good now. She sleeps through the night, so definitely getting more sleep now. <laughs> and what, what would you if you could go back and sort of um, talk to yourself? You know, when you when you found out you were pregnant at eight, eight weeks when you mm. came back from Egypt. Yeah. What would you sort of say to you then? What would you say? Well, if I knew that I was going to... Yeah, if, you could, go, if you could go back and tell... Give yourself some advice at that stage. When, before, you, before you'd gone into the pregnancy, God. before you'd had... <laughs> it's quite hard when I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, obviously, there was nothing I could have done... Well, the doctor says nothing I could have done to prevent the premature birth, so... Mm. I guess I just... I would have 
told myself how hard it's going to be so that I could have been more emotionally prepared. And I think actually doctors should prepare women for just in case they have their, their baby early. So obviously I was I was a low risk pregnancy, but which is why they never they never mentioned premature birth or. I think it should be mentioned to yeah, everyone. But, yeah, because you're young, then normally that means that... that yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think they should worry women, because I know that yeah, pregnancy is, is a whole emotional roller coaster and it's worrying in itself, but maybe if they just give some leaflets or something that just says, you know, about premature birth, about disabilities, because obviously when they told me it, it was a last-minute thing and... Just to be told, oh, your baby might be disabled, is 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 different than if you you think about it. I don't know. So you'd have liked to have been able to consider, yeah, what you, what you're like objectively rather than emotionally yeah. in the moment. I guess you could never know what you're going to say till the moment, though. Maybe mm. maybe my question my question was a bit off anyway. In that, if you went back in time to talk to yourself, you'd be preparing yourself, and in fact, maybe being unprepared meant that you didn't have time to worry in advance do you know what I mean because you couldn't have changed it so but I don't know (laughs) who knows I'd like them to invent a time machine then we could could work it out really I didn't yeah I didn't I didn't really think about it but it must be strange because you do look younger than your years a little bit I mean you look 16 you look like a a person that is legally allowed (laughs) to be be attractive thank you but uh, (laughs) But you, but you know, you, you do, and so yeah, I guess it must because that's one of the things that I used to joke about with you when we worked together. Yeah, you being a bit short. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, so I should have really thought of that that angle on it in advance. <laughs> Your current partner, the father of Jasmine, mm-hmm. there's quite a big age gap. Yeah, he's um, turning thirty nine next month, and I'm twenty two nearly. So what, that's nearly twenty years. Mm-hmm. About the same between my mum and dad. Is so, it? Yeah. Okay, it gives me hope. So yeah, but, well, <laughs> I don't know. They 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 were only married for ten years. Oh, so okay, uh, maybe not. Maybe not between <laughs> them. But I'm sure there are there are good examples. Yeah. That, I mean, you know, they they they, they it worked for ten years. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> At least I got that then. How do you find it, this age gap thing? Um, I think that other people have more of a problem than I ever did. Well, I think actually at the beginning, because it had never occurred to me to be with someone that age, it, it was it was a struggle for me because I sort of was thinking, not so much my family because I know that my family are always supportive, but with my friends, I, I struggled to f- to find something that my friends would have in common with my partner. Although I have a lot of things in common with him, there's it, something. That, that sort of was strange to me for for if me and my friends were out, were out for dinner or something and then we were all 22 and then to have a, a nearly 40-year-old sitting there it just sort of... I didn't know, it didn't, it didn't work out in my head for me but, you know, after being with him for, for a few months and he met my friends and my friends loved him so that sort of just disappeared, the whole... The whole problem with him being at a different ages was it was gone, and I've, I think I've always been sort of a, a bit old for my age in, in the way I think and the things I do. Like I've never been a big goer outer and you know drinking and things like that. I don't. I just I'm almost like a home person that just wants to sit and be with my family. So I think in that sense we we're, we're probably the same age mentally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's he's a bit mentally younger than his years, and you're yeah. a bit more mentally. Yeah, we meet in the middle we'll somewhere. The middle. I think that that I guess I think that's quite a common thing, and it, it anyway that, that often women are a bit more mature mm. and men are a little bit immature. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to make a complete generalisation <laughs> about it. I did try and see people my age, but uh, yeah, it didn't really work out because they they just all seem to want to go out all the time, and that's not me. So. Well, fair enough. You, you know, you find the person who works for yeah. you. Um, and was it sort of? Did your parents find it strange? Because that's the normally the the kind of area that. Yeah. Um, well, I think because my situation was was a bit strange. Really, I was in a long distance relationship for 
four years. Yeah. Um, super long distance. Uh, and, and my mum hated the guy. And with good reason, actually, with hindsight. Um, I never, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I always avoided saying that completely. Yeah. But. I mean, I think everyone did. Everyone just sort of went along with what what I thought I wanted. And it was fair enough, because I think it was something that I had to go through and I had to find out for myself that it wasn't right. But I got very, very close to marrying him. In fact, so close that I went there and talked... And, like two days before we were supposed to get married told him that it was over wow that close yeah. I didn't know that yeah okay so so what you're saying there is that because he because your current partner kind of got you away from this other situation your parents have been more yeah. comfortable with it than they might have been yeah I think if so. that hadn't been the case but what the audience don't know is <laughs> the circumstances of this near marriage that you had no, we can talk. Don't we? We can talk about it. <laughs> just like shivering at the thought. Yeah, no. Well, it's it's it's, it's 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 probably easier to talk about now in some ways. Though now you're out of it, and it's yeah. kind of history. Yeah, a little definitely. Bit, a little bit of history. It's quite embarrassing, really, though. Well, I tell you what. Everybody has has made a fool of themselves because of falling in love with someone. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, you know. I have an excuse that I was 16 when you, we met as well. So. And, well, exactly. And when people are young, they, 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 they make much more of a fool of themselves than maybe they will later. Although, I tell you what, you know, <laughs> I've, I've known people in their 40s make as much of a fool of themselves as perhaps you did. But I don't even, <laughs> think, I don't even think, I wouldn't even call it making a fool of yourself. How did you meet this guy? I was on holiday in the Dominican Republic, uh, 16. Never really had a boyfriend before. And with my family and uh, looking back sort of got a bit groomed <laughs> by this guy yeah that um, was my feeling when you told me about it the first time um, so yeah obviously this he's a sweet talking Latin guy you know anyone would find him attractive and I was 16 and thinking oh he's the know. entertainer in the resort wasn't yes he? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah Obviously, I, at 16, I was thinking, wow, this, this this man is giving me attention. Which I didn't think that at the time, but obviously, it was sort of immature, oh, excitedness yeah. about, about it. Well, I think it... Look, I think any 16-year-old, if they've got an older, attractive person who's treating them... Well, it, it feels like he's treating them like a equal mm. and like a sexual yeah. person it I mean is, that must be intoxicating I think that must be intoxicating <laughs> yeah, for anyone definitely. I think it's reasonable I think the thing is the reason that everybody at the time didn't know how to talk to you about it I think is because everybody understood why mm. but they didn't necessarily think it was a good idea yeah um so you met him in this resort on holiday yeah you're there for two weeks or? yeah and uh, we kept in contact. We used to talk every day online. And I think uh, my mum allowed it at the time. I think she thought it was just going to fizzle out into nothing. But I, I think she underestimated my persistence. <laughs> um, well, I think that most parents would do that. You know, it's yeah. a holiday romance. Yeah. It's going to fizzle out. She'll meet someone her own age. Yeah, yeah that's what she thought. Yeah. But she was very wrong. Didn't happen. Um, I think a year later... I, I wanted to go back and visit him. He wasn't working at the hotel that I met him at anymore. He'd lost his job. All these sob stories and stuff. Um, he actually started asking me for money around maybe four months in. And I did send him money. Not not huge amounts, over four years. Maybe £400 altogether. So it's not it's not a terrible like financial mistake but um yeah he did he did ask me for money and uh when everyone ever, ever used to ask me he used to tell them that he didn't because I knew exactly what they'd say and I knew it was true deep down so you do you think you always knew that he was taking you for a ride but you lied to yourself or do you I mean um I'm not sure still to this day it's hard for me to admit that it was probably nothing for him the whole time 
I don't think it, I don't think it will have been nothing. I don't. I mean, I think that he probably was attracted to you, but he the way he's behaving towards you that wasn't necessarily how you behave to someone that you love <laughs> in a. Well, in a pure way, like there are different kinds of love. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes people do horrible things to people they love. So maybe he did love you. I don't know, but it wasn't very healthy. I yeah, think that's definitely. what I would say. I knew about this because you were working with me while this was going on. Uh-huh. So a lot of why we are acquainted, I guess, is because yeah. I would talk to you about this yeah. stuff. Because I don't know, I feel quite protective towards you, Sam. <laughs> uh, I guess because you're, you're close to close to my sister's age, and you know. Yeah, that's really why. And you're a bit like my sister in some ways. We can hear the rain. The rain has started, but that's fine. But yeah, you might want to for your house yeah. house's sake. So you're sending in money. Yeah. A year later, you saved up and went. Did you go to him? You went yeah. to, to stay um, with him. Yeah. It was another. I think it was a two-week visit again, but my mum insisted that she. And her partner come with me, which is which was fair enough, because um, nobody wants their teenage daughter to be going off to a third world country alone to meet a strange man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so we were all booked in to a hotel for two weeks. Obviously, my my mum paid for him, and she cried pretty much the whole time we were there. I think she sort of felt like she was paying for him to have sex with me sort of because she was paying for the hotel room and she knew inevitably what was going to happen so I think for a mum looking back now that I'm a mum like I hate that I did that to her Um, but I was in love so well I thought I was in love so have you have you said that to her yeah we've talked about it because me and my mum were really close like like the closest you could ever imagine and when he came along it ruined it completely we were arguing all the time and it was horrible like, and it's can't, some of the things that I said to my mum like in that stage of my life is really hard to think about because I love her so much yeah but I mean I, I tell you what most of us have said some pretty horrible things mm-hmm. to our parents at some point I mean I'm not saying that you shouldn't you know feel bad about yeah. it but I'm just saying you shouldn't like feel isolated by mm. it do you know what I mean that's yeah. what I always think with these things people always feel like they've done a terrible thing and they're they're the worst person yeah. in the world but they're not we're all bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's um, a better way to look at it <laughs> <laughs> you had those two weeks mm-hmm. and you I think your mum hoped it would be over then. yeah I think I don't know actually why she came with me because I think if it was me and my child I would have been more strict with it. You wouldn't let her go? No, I don't think so. But that's my mum. I think well, she she gives me, she gave me the opportunity to see for myself what I mean, she could see. When Jasmine is uh, is 16, I guess you get to find out. I yeah, mean, I mean, I'm not saying it would have been easy for my mum to do that because no. I know that I would have probably gone anyway if she hadn't, if she had I don't know what I would have done, but you I think... You were very, very stubborn about it. Yeah, I, I think I would have probably gone over there and said, I'll stay here then if you don't want me to do this. Because even after that, so that happened, you came back, mm-hmm. and then you went again, didn't you? Yeah, this time I saved up, and I went on my own for... I think that was when I left Oakwood. Yeah, that's was right, you I went for I a went few... For four months. Four months or something, four, yeah. Five months. Yeah, I remember that happening. I was I couldn't, couldn't quite believe you were going to do it because you but you came back afterwards, didn't you? Yeah, to work again. Mm-hmm. So what happened in that four months? Not much, really, to be honest. I mean, I didn't go there with any money. I went there. I paid for the flight, and my mum said to me, "Don't go there with no money and see what he does. See if he can support you. See if that's the life you want." See, I think that's canny from your mum. You know, like I think that's sensible. Mm. You know, because. If he does love you, you know, then he's going to want you regardless of the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went over there. Um, we were staying in a really horrible place. It was like a block of apartments, but the apartment was just one, just a bedroom, a shared bathroom. Some, some of the rooms that we stayed in, because we moved around quite a lot, didn't even have bathrooms, so we had to use a bucket. 
So yeah, it was it was definitely different from what I'm used to. And there's a lot of his family there with you. Um, no, we were we were on our family. own. Oh, you okay? Yeah, I met his mum and stuff when we were there, and she was she was living in this. Um, it wasn't even a house really it was just a breeze blocks and tin roof and I think that his mum actually sort of disagreed with what he was doing to me I think because she, she seemed to be a really hard working woman trying to support his like he's got he had the three siblings and they were all younger so you know to me she's just she seemed to be a really hard working woman and honest and he's not do you think if you had the kind of background that he had and you were working in a resort and an attractive young man was there, well, not necessarily young, your mm. taste seemed to be a bit older, yeah. but, but can, can you see, do you think that you might, that if you had that kind of a background? I can see why, why you would do it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um... I can't say whether I would do it if I was from that background because I think if you're, you know, your background determines who you are and what sort of morals you have, I think, you know, the way you're brought up. So, I mean, the way that I was taught, I would never do that to somebody, but, yeah, you know, if you're in a desperate situation, maybe I would. I yeah, know. that's the thing. I always think that. Like, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I mean, I, it, it's hard to imagine myself now if I try and put myself in his place, mm. I don't. Who I am now, I hope would not do that sort yeah. of thing. But if I had had his life, then maybe, I mean, especially if you can't see any other way out, you mm. know, that's the that's when that's when you find out who you really are. Isn't yeah. it, I guess. Um, so you went there for four months. Mm-hmm. You didn't like it. Um. It's strange, you know, like, thinking back, I know I didn't like it. But but when I went there, I thought I enjoyed it. it I, it's strange. Looking back now, I know that I was really uncomfortable in the surroundings and I didn't feel safe and, you know, we were... Some days we didn't, we didn't eat very much and I was pretty much living like he does. And uh, I think I knew then it was definitely not right for me but because I thought that I loved him so much I just went along with it and everything was fine everything that anything anyone threw at me anyone said no one could tell me that it was the wrong thing for me because he was also quite jealous boyfriend wasn't he very yeah I mean, the email address that I have for you still, which I, I imagine <coughs> is not right. It's a, I'm not, I won't give it out, but it, but it, it basically it's okay, I'm not gonna use it, anymore. it basically means you're his yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, he made that like, for me. Yeah, you you had to use yeah. his. It's like his name, and then Chiquita, which I guess means girl. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, sure. So yeah, I felt odd about that because I didn't like the idea of sending you an email that he would maybe read yeah. like, that's why I didn't like the idea that he was vetting your emails Yeah. so even though I wanted to stay in contact with you and I did I did, I did use yeah. that email address I, I felt very uneasy about it yeah I mean everything that I had he had to know about and you know I had my own email address which was a little a stupid kid thing and he changed that and he made he made all these different emails for me and he knew the passwords and like my MSN account, I used to have like all my friends as contacts and, you know, he deleted all the men and the boys from there and like when I was there and he used to go to work, he used to lock the door. So basically I was locked in a room for the whole day. Uh, you were locked in a room the whole day? Yeah, pretty much the whole day. Only what when did... he came home, he used to bring me lunch. It was, it, was like, it was like being a prisoner looking God, back. What did you do? What did you have to do to occupy your time? Um, I brought my laptop with me and I used to watch movies on it. Well, at least you had, at least you had <laughs> that. I mean, uh... So, yeah, looking back, obviously it's it's quite scary, actually, what what you will allow someone to do to you because you love them. So you came back mm-hmm. and you told me how bad it was, the actual living day-to-day, but you were still big into him. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and what happened then? Um, we stayed in contact still, and 
every day. Although um, between then and the next time I see it, so I saw him, I did cheat on him, and he found out, and he still said that you know it's okay, we can well, still be together. And he still needs the same things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think like by then I think I didn't love him anymore because I don't believe it. you can you can do that to someone you love. So. So you, it was just I don't know why I stayed. It it was sort of habit. It was like because I've never been the sort of person to go out and, and and do stuff. I guess it was easier for me to have him and just stay at home all day talking online than to make an effort and go and meet people and and do things that normal teenagers should do. So I think it was just a, a habit thing, and I guess. Because everyone, well, I knew everyone was saying, you know, I hope it ends and stuff. It was sort of a, a, a I wanted to prove everyone wrong, uh, especially my mum. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a funny thing as well. It's kind of the internet as, uh, was a big part in this, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you, were, you were sort of Skyping and MSNing and stuff. Yeah. And that's what kind of kept the flame burning that's why holiday romances fizzle out because yeah. people can't see each other again and you what you nearly married him did yeah he, did he ever come here no he I never mean, did we d- i did look into it but it just seemed all too too much paperwork and just too much hassle to be honest paperwork's not really very romantic no <laughs> <laughs> i think i went over there again after the four month or five month visit i went over there again for another two months after wow. that and then after that i decided I decided we should get married. You decided? Yeah. Did I mean, he, he always he always used to say it, but he never sort of asked me properly how, how I would imagine a man should ask. So uh, I just it was just sort of a, a thing out of desperation, really, to, to be together 24-7, which was what I thought should be the next step. So I started planning our wedding, and uh, obviously my mum was devastated when she, she heard. Yeah. She did everything that... And yeah, well, I don't know about any mum would do, but I think I still think she did the right thing. She supported me, and she came with me, and she bought my wedding dress. And it must have been really hard for her. Actually, she stood to, by you for a lot, did. and yeah. I th- it it played out in the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, l- luckily, yeah. it went the right way. Yeah, it went very very close to mm-hmm. to not going the right way. Yeah, so you know, I bought all my wedding dress, and I even had to because. Obviously, he's, he was poor. I had to buy both both of our wedding rings, and I bought his suit and the. the were they expensive wedding rings? Not really. Well, it depends what you think's expensive. But they were they were wedding rings, so they were expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I bought an eight hundred pound suit for him, and even the like the best man suit and the so you, shoes and everything you may not have set yourself back financially uh, sending him sending money, money but, yeah, but you have spent a lot of money over this yeah I still like the wedding dress so I'll probably wear it when I marry my partner but <laughs> where, um, were, where were you going to get married in the Dominican yeah. Republic so I flew over there and all my whole family were due to join me I think maybe three days after I got there but actually I'd, I'd already met my partner Chris before I went to go and get married and uh, I did have feelings for him I was sort of stopping myself because of the age thing and because I'm stubborn <laughs> um, so yeah I came over I, I went over there just to see if I still felt the same way about his name was Brian um, but when I got there I knew that it just suddenly the sight of him made me feel sick I just like it was like coming out of a dream world. It was. I just knew definitely that it was wrong. So I think I, I waited two days just to make sure that I was sure. Um, and then I told him that this isn't going to happen, we're not getting married. And How did he react? Um, he cried like a baby, like really cried, and he was on the floor. But he still stayed the whole two weeks at the hotel with my family and me. Obviously I didn't sleep in the same room as him, but it just, even like to this day, my mum says, you know, just didn't, he just never stopped to the very end of like 
get in everything he could. Even if everyone didn't want him there, he stayed. Well, I guess it was a little bit better than going back to where he was living. Mm. Oh, it's still a very complicated yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> so, let's see, I'd made the phone call to my mum and said, I've called it off. And uh, I think her immediate reaction was that he'd done something to me that, uh, he, you know, she was yeah. really worried because she wasn't there. But um, she can't comprehend how I could have just changed my mind just like that. She's, she still thinks that he, maybe he didn't have the paperwork that he needed, but it was just me changing my mind. Do you think it was sort of self-preservation just finally kicking in? or If I hadn't have met my partner, I wouldn't have, I would have gone through with it, I think. Because well, you're I quite, know. the problem with you... No offence. Is it you're quite stubborn? I am very stubborn. And so once you decide that you're going to do something... I'm going to do it, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should take a little bit longer to decide that you're yeah, going to do something. Yeah, especially marriage, I think. But I think for me, I, I'd, in my mind, I'd thought it through. It'd been four years and... Well, it all had a logical progression, yeah. didn't it? And so I guess in terms of what you'd planned to do, you were on track. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of that sort of story, in a strange way, you were incredibly lucky. Because mm. even having all of the kind of not very nice living arrangements over there, mm-hmm. you were safe. Yeah. Like, all of the sex that you had was consensual. Mm-hmm. There was no... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so lucky, yeah. that is lucky because there is a lot of dangers oh, yes. that, that people can have. So Definitely put myself in a really vulnerable situation. Mm. Being over there and only knowing him, my mum always used to say, what's going to happen if you have an argument or, you know, you decide suddenly that you don't want to be there, you know. You're in the middle of nowhere and you know no one, you don't speak the language. She was right. I'd never let, well, I'd say never let, but don't know how she, she did what she did. I know her reasons, but it must have been so hard for her to... I think so. I think it must have been... You you got through it, and mm-hmm. so I mean I'm sure that that in itself is 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 partly uh, something that makes her feel better about everything. You yeah. know that you that you did get out of it, and that you did make what she might call the right decision, mm-hmm. uh, and probably everyone everyone agrees <laughs> to that um, in the end. And so I mean then that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll tell Jasmine about your mistakes when you? teenager I think so because I think it's important for parents to to be open about their mistakes in the hope that their children don't do the same thing yeah that's why yeah obviously my mum <laughs> well she never did anything like that but you know my mum's always been really open with me about her whole past and everything and I think it's done me good so I'll definitely be telling Jasmine at some point when it's relevant so when I when I sent you the form mm-hmm for this show you were one of the guests who gave me a, 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 a list of topics that you w- thought you could talk about mm-hmm. it's interesting not very many people do that people don't see there's anything interesting about their lives often some people do and I always like it when they do because it's nice to, <laughs> to not have to yeah. do the thinking but it also means that sometimes there are things that come up in those lists that I didn't know at all about mm. so the next topic is is one I didn't know that you'd experience and I'm, mm. I'm certainly very sorry to hear that you have mm. and that is domestic violence mm-hmm. how why is that on the list um when you sent me the form it was sort of I was struggling to to think of things that would be good points to talk about and, and that are interesting and that maybe you didn't know yeah. I think it's important to talk about it because I don't think hardly anyone I know knows about it because I think a lot of families that have domestic violence and then when, when you're kids and stuff, you they sort of pretend like everything's okay and, you know, on the surface you're like a perfect family, but actually, you know, these things are going on. I think uh, because because I saw it as a as a kid, it's definitely changed the sort of, the sort of parent I want to be and I definitely don't want Jasmine to see anything like the kind of things that I saw. And also it, it is, obviously I respect my mum anyway, but because of what she went through and you know, her reasons for going through it, which was, you know, because she thought it was the right thing to do for us to keep my dad in her life, even though, you know, he was really violent towards her for the whole, I think it was the 30 years they were married. He wasn't violent towards you guys? No, no, he was never... 
he he did go for us, but my mum always used to step in the way, so I think the violence sort of was just with my mum for some reason, so he definitely could control it. Do you think some of why your mum might have been very worried about the Brian thing would have been that she might have been worried about a, re- a repetition? Yeah, definitely. She always used to say that she saw my dad in Brian a lot, a lot of like the qualities and the way that he treated me and things I told her. She said that, you know, the possessiveness and all those sort of things were what my dad did when they were first married before the violence started. Again, that's another big thing that was probably really heart-wrenching for her to see me. Certainly, I always thought it was a bit... I mean, it was a bit of a red flag for me when that's Mm. one of the reasons I didn't like the possessiveness because that tends to be a sign that people are going to become that kind of person. How old were you when you witnessed the domestic violence? Um, Do you you remember? I remember a lot from when I was older, but obviously from what my mum tells me, it was from birth until my parents were divorced. Uh when I was 16, just before I met Brian. It wasn't an everyday thing. It, it was like waiting for a bomb to explode, you know? Mm. Times my mum mom and dad could be could appear to be like, really happy and then there'd be no cereal and my dad would go crazy and beat up my mum from being on top of the world and having fun with dad and then the next thing you know, he's beating up your mum, so... How do you feel about your dad now? When I was a kid, we were really close because I don't, I don't think you really understand like what that person is doing. It just to to me, it was just normal. It's just what happened. Yeah. yeah. But when 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 my mum decided that she was going to divorce him, me and my dad, we sort of fell out. We didn't talk. You know, he said I took sides, which I did. But for me, still now, I'll stand by and say that I took the right side. I never. I never obviously agreed with what he was doing and like one of my earliest memories actually is standing up on a chair and trying to stop my dad from stabbing my mum with a like a broken bit of a chair a, le- a chair leg that's obviously put a big strain in our relationship but well that's going to have had a big effect on you yeah. as well I mean I had some dark places in my childhood but mm. they're nowhere near as dark as that I mean there was family fighting and mm. violence but that's really direct parental Mm. like I don't know that's something that I've never had to Mm. deal with certainly not that young do you want to go and see if she's alright yeah yeah okay I'll pause it we're we're nearly done anyway (laughs) we've been we've been joined by a little one in the room to explain the sound (laughs) ah yes I'll move all of that stuff up out of the way. She likes to grab straps, doesn't she? That's yeah. the thing. So all my bags are tempting to her. Now, now they're up high where she can't reach. But she wants to have a go. She's <laughs> yeah. going for them. You experienced that stuff as a child. Mm-hmm. How do you feel now looking about that? I don't really feel anything about it other than sad for my mum that she had to sort of spend what was supposed to be the best years of her life feeling like a prisoner. Personally, like, for me, don't really feel anything about it other than the fact that I'll probably never be close to my dad because of that. (laughs) Do you think you... I mean, so do you think it's had any influence on... Do you think it's changed... It changed how you have... Who you've become? Um... I guess it must have changed. <laughs> She's after my boots now. She is. She's after your boots. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. Yeah. I don't think consciously it's something that's had a massive impact on me, really. But I guess just that it's made me really protective of what Jasmine sees. You know, even if me and Chris are having a, a small argument, I'll take it in the other room. Um, But in other ways, not really. I don't think you really notice when it's normal for you. You can't compare it to anything, so you don't know if it's changed who you are. I guess that's true. I think it's it's a funny thing that when I was your age, I sort of was like, right, I've worked it all out my childhood and I've worked who I am out. Hmm. And uh, I know how I feel about it all. And now I'm sort of 
I'm going to be 30 very soon, in like a month or something, two months. And uh, now I'm sort of at this stage where I'm sort of re-evaluating it all again. Mm. I guess because I'm sort of a similar age to the, the age that my my parents probably were. Well, I'm not actually a similar age to them because they were actually quite old parents. Mm. But I've, I can see myself as a in a position of being an adult. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of judge them as other adults rather than as a child judges a parent. Mm. Maybe maybe that will come yeah, later. I don't think I've reached it's, that yet. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it comes for everyone anyway. Mm. I mean, it sounds like you've certainly got to a point with your mum that you've started to mend. Yeah, we're definitely back on on track. Probably not as close as we were, but definitely. Um, I mean, I guess <laughs> the little girl in the background has probably helped. Yeah, with that. she has. Yeah, you appreciate your parents more when you when you become a parent as well. And you sort of realise all the thing, all the emotions and, and how close they actually feel to you. I don't think you really realise that until until you have one. I don't know. I don't want to insult anyone by saying that. but uh... Well, no, that's the, it's always hard to mm. say things without insulting people. Yeah. If somebody feels that they do know it, well, maybe yeah. they do. But yeah. I, I don't know if anyone does know what it's like to be a parent until mm. they're a parent. I, I'm pretty certain that's a... As close to a truth as we yeah. can get. So it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. You know, thanks so much for sharing some really kind of big stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different from sort of having a relatively kind of uh, jokey yeah. colleague kind of relationship. Although I guess we did talk about the Brian stuff. Mm-hmm. Then. So I guess <laughs> before I ask the final question, mm-hmm. which of us is Batman and which of us is Robin? Oh, I'm sorry, but I have to be Batman. See, why do you? Why are you Batman? See, because like you're like little. small. Yeah. Oh, so you know. what? Because and I'm, I'm small, like older than Robin. you. Yeah, well, I'm older than you as well. Who actually thought of the whole Batman and Robin thing? I think it was. I think I started it, but I think that you just decided to <laughs> completely subvert it and change it. Fine, you can be Batman. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I, no, I will tell you what, you can be Batman. No, think... no, we're going to argue about that. <laughs> I quite know. I mean, to be fair, I've always enjoyed the idea of being Robin to your Batman. Oh. I think it would be quite comical. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fact, it's almost. It's, I mean, it's not the same, but it's, it's a little bit like that only fools and horses thing, and it with Delboy being short yeah. and Rodney being tall. <laughs> um, uh, Sam doesn't look anything like Delboy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the. <laughs> the the last, the last question that I ask everybody is, um, do they have anything they want to plug? Which I guess is like, do they have anything they'd like to say, like promote? I guess. No, not really. Nothing. No. Unfortunately, I'm not that exciting. Well, I think it's not just stuff that you do. I mean, some people have sort of interpreted it in a kind of wider sense, like what they think people should do in life or whatever. I mean. You are very good at making sounds. <laughs> yeah, they're not sad sounds. They might sound sad on the headphones. You seem quite happy. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, what would, you, what would you like people to... How would you like people to live life or whatever? Something like that. Oh, God. <laughs> you sprung this on me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I can't tell people how to live their lives. I'm not qualified to answer that question. <laughs> well, that's a, a fair and honest answer. And, I, and I, I, I mean, I think it's correct, really. I don't think anyone can really tell anyone how to live their lives. But I think that you're certainly doing well living yours. And I'm, I'm happy to be in a room with a little... <laughs> noisy baby <laughs> you suddenly become quiet and that you aren't in the Dominican Republic yes. with, a, with a much worse life than you have now so we can thank Chris for that well that's <laughs> that's very I'm sure that Chris was a big part of that but I'm also sure that you're, you were a big part of that as well so, so mm-hmm. nice one uh, so it's been a pleasure being getting better acquainted with you. Um, would you like to say goodbye to the audience? Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>
find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook, it's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website, www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted. 